Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome back to the Exam Study Expert podcast. You're joining us in the midst of learning science season when we'll be getting right to the heart of what works and what doesn't when it comes to ways to learn your stuff and learn fast and remember more and make it stick so that you don't forget it as soon as you learn it. This is episode two when we'll be talking about retrieval practice. Retrieval practice. Retrieval practice. Space out your stuttering and some different ways to do retrieval practice. And those two, I think, really universally, like the, the, the best ways. My word. I studied the same amount of material would take me like a fraction of the time. And I was fascinated. Felt like a superpower. Everyone's talking about retrieval practice. But why? Well, I think it's the single most important learning strategy that I'll ever be able to teach you on this podcast. So today I wanted to take the microphone to talk you through a little of why it matters so much, how it works, and introduce you to some strategies for how to use it. Some of the material will be a little familiar if you've listened to the podcast before over the years, but there's a lot of new stuff as well going further than I've ever gone before. There's some quite complex concepts that I'm going to try and get across to you today. I'll do my very best to do so via audio. But for the very first time, I've also done a separate version of kind of much of the content from this podcast, uh, perhaps even going a little further, actually, uh, but all in video form, where I've been able to use diagrams and illustrations to help illustrate uh, and bring to life as many of the concepts I'm going to be talking about. For details on how to access this video about retrieval practice, it's about half an hour long, so pretty detailed, uh, you can either stay tuned to the end of the episode, and I'll tell you then, or you can head straight to examstudyexpert.com forward slash yes uh, to find out a little about my brand new Study Smarter Club. But for now, let me dive right into this episode on retrieval practice. So there's basically two approaches to, to when you want to sit down and try and study something. There's either the long way or there's the smart way. The long way involves pushing information into memory repeatedly. So that's either things like rereading, making notes, uh, highlighting or underlining your notes. Anything along these lines is really just trying to cram and force information into your memory, push it in, uh, and hope that just by sheer exposure to that knowledge over and over again, something somewhere along the line starts to stick. Well, if you studied for any length of time uh, to any kind of serious level, you'll know that any of these strategies can take a very long time to have any kind of reliable result. And worse, they may lull you into a false sense where you think you know something, but you come to the exam and you find you actually don't. I hear this a lot. Students say to me, well, I, I thought, I, you know, I think I know the subject, but then I get into the exam and I can't remember it. Well, 
I ask my first question to them is always, well, how are you learning? And often they'll say, well, I'm making notes. I keep making all these notes or I, I, I have this highlighting regime and I highlight the keywords as I'm going through it. So making sure I'm learning actively. Well, that's not active learning. Even though you're making notes or you're doing highlighting, all you're doing is still it's a form of just pushing information back into memory, which will take a very long time uh, to get any kind of results at all. And the results you do get will be relatively unreliable. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is retrieval practice. It's a much smarter way to learn. And it basically works by testing yourself, pulling information out of memory over and over again. So there's lots of ways you can test yourself on what you know. Uh, you can use flashcards, for example. You can try doing practice questions without the notes. Uh, you can try summarising a topic um, from memory on a blank sheet of paper. All of the th these things will work great if you want to try and learn your stuff, because rather than trying to push information into memory, you're trying to pull it out. And that has a magical, almost magical impact on how effectively you're able to learn. To try and explain perhaps just a little of the magic, I want to bring you right down into the neuroscience of memory. So I'm going to talk to you right about the very wiring of your memory and, and how we think that retrieval practice might impact that. And then I'm going to explain to you some data from an experiment, a very famous experiment that really brings to life just how big of an impact retrieval practice can have. So bringing you into the into the kind of neuroscience first, uh, your your brain weighs about 30 pounds, is sort of mostly made of fat, uh, and, and contains about 85 billion neurons. It's billion with a B. It's an awful lot of neurons. And you can think of the neurons as being like little wires in an electric circuit. Junctions between those wires or junctions between the neurons are called synapses, as the medics or biologists amongst you, I'm sure, will know. And where we get those junctions, where we get those synapses, that is where we think the seat of learning really happens. So whenever you learn something, whenever you learn a fact or a little nugget of information, what you're really doing is creating a more durable circuit of neurons, a little, a little pattern of neurons in memory that all fire together. Uh, and that little pattern, that very distinct pattern, uh, is a very specific pattern of neurons that lights up in response to trying to remember a specific fact, trying to remember a specific fact or being exposed to that particular fact when you read it or hear it, for example. If, you, if I give you a historical date, a year, 1066, uh, there will be a specific little pattern of neurons that just lights up in your brain uh, whenever you think about that little fact, uh, 1066. Uh, uh, a very specific pattern of neurons that, that, that kind of fires together. And what's happening when we're learning is that the synapses, the junctions uh, between the neurons in that circuit, are actually getting stronger. Uh, that, that we're building a stronger little circuit when when we learn. It makes it more easy to light up that little uh, circuit and bring that fact bring that fact into consciousness. Uh, in other words, to to to, to remember it. Um, and now, as far as we know, well, as far as we've been able to figure out, retrieval practice seems to have a much stronger impact on how quickly we're able to build those strong neural circuits, those strong pathways, those strong engrams, as, as psychologists call them, uh, that, that code for specific facts, pieces of information. Uh, so when we're trying to light up those little circuits from cold by 
trying to test ourselves, trying to remember something, that's building up the pathway much more strongly, uh, much more quickly than if we were simply pushing information into memory over and over again by, for example, rereading. If you didn't follow a word of that, then don't worry too much because here's an analogy to make it a little clearer. Um, remember Dr. Yana Weinstein-Jones last time talking about concrete examples. Well, here's a kind of concrete example, an analogy for you to, to bring what I've just been saying to life a little bit. If building memory is a bit like building up a pathway of neurons, it's not a bad metaphor actually because of uh, how, how memory works, I've just been explaining. Um, there are basically two ways to build the pathway. Uh, imagine you had a field a grassy field and you're trying to build a path across it. Well, one way, in theory, you could build up a little pathway is to trudge across it, take your dog for a walk, say, across that field every single day for a year, maybe. And if you trudged across it every day, that might leave a faint dirt track in the grassy field. A very faint, a very narrow track, but a track nonetheless. However, it's taken you a very long time to build that track. And it might not stick around for very long. The grass will grow back over it if you stop trudging across that track every day. That way of building up the pathway, that's a bit like the rereading or the making notes. In other words, those methods that push information into memory. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is to build a road across your grassy field uh, with a steamroller and laying down tarmac and asphalt, a big, strong, sturdy tarmac road that you might lay down maybe over the course of a, a day or so if if you don't have too much road to build um, and you've got some proper road building equipment. So in other words, you build it up very, very quickly and it's very strong and durable and you don't have to worry about grass growing back over the road anytime soon uh, if you do your job right. Uh, although uh, caveat that you, you need to combine that with space learning for best effects. Um, come back to that next week. Uh, but for now, uh, to, to kind of round off the metaphor, so that, that road building with steamrollers and asphalt, uh, building a big wide tarmac road, that's like retrieval practice. You're building a much stronger, much more durable road through any of those methods that involve pulling information out of memory by flashcards or self-testing uh, in some form, self-quizzing, doing practice questions. Anything where you're trying to bring that information to mind, bring that information to memory, test yourself on what you know, building much, much stronger pathways of neurons much more quickly. So you may be thinking, well, this all sounds well and good, but where's your evidence, William? Well, great question. Thank you. Uh, there's been literally now hundreds of studies that demonstrate the impact of retrieval practice and the very, very strong benefits that retrieval practice can have over other forms of studying like rereading or making notes. To pick just one study, it was one of the first that was done and it's very, very widely uh, referred to. Uh, it was uh, Henry Rodinger and colleagues back in 2006 and they took two groups of students, group A, group B. So typical class of college level students divided the class in two halves uh, and gave them each the same passage of information to learn. So Imagine a room full of students all sitting at their desks trying to learn the same passage of new information. It was something they hadn't seen before. It was a bit of information about sea otters and the natural history of the sea otter. Uh, and, and what they were each trying to do was to, to learn that information for an upcoming test. However, Group A were only allowed to read that article through over and over again. They could reread it as much as they wanted, but that was all they were able to do. 
Group B were doing something a little more interesting. And uh, so what they were doing was rather than just rereading the article over and over and over again and hoping the information stuck, they only got to read the information a couple of times and then it was taken away and they never saw it again. So what were they doing with the rest of the time? Well, they were given blank sheets of paper and asked to write down everything, anything that they could remember about what they'd just read. Technique called blank page retrieval. It was a great, great technique for doing retrieval practice. Both groups had exactly the same amount of study time, so there's no difference in the amount of time either of them had overall, just that Group A were mainly, well, entirely doing reading, uh, and Group B were mainly doing the, the blank page retrieval, trying to remember everything they could and write it down on a blank sheet of paper. The really interesting thing about this study is that the researchers asked both groups to predict how well the students would do after learning in these two different ways. So, in other words, the students make their own predictions for how well they would score on a test. Group A predicted themselves, on average, 69% on the test. So, almost 70% on average, Group A, uh, were were predicting themselves on, on the test. So, they were relatively confident. Group B were a little less confident. They were a little under 60% in their average prediction. So, they've been doing the retrieval practice, which... By now, you and I both know is a more effective technique, but interestingly, they were less confident. So what that tells us is perhaps that what we think is working for us in the moment might not actually be what works for us well over the long term. In particular, when we're reading something through or perhaps making notes, we're lulled into what might be a quite a false sense of security, a false sense of knowing the material uh, that's actually quite seductive. It makes us feel as though we're uh, in command of the material just because we're familiar with it. We recognise the words. That feeling of familiarity, though, is very, very different from actually being able to reproduce the information from cold in a test or exam. So you may well be able to predict how the two groups performed in the test. If you're thinking that the group A did much worse than they thought and the group B, the retrieval practice group, did much better than they thought, well, you're absolutely right. Um, the final scores were group A, the rereaders, with 41%. Group B, the retrieval practice group, uh, with a massive 61%. So 20 percentage points higher just from doing retrieval practice. A massive, massive benefit. And again, this is just one example out of now hundreds of studies that all point in the same direction. Very strong, very repeatable, very liable uh, benefits of doing retrieval practice across lots and lots of studies, lots and lots of different kinds of students, different ages, different stages, uh, lots of different kinds of information that they were trying to learn, lots of different kinds of retrieval practice technique. Blank page retrieval was just one example. Very reliable results, um, very, very robust effect uh, and very, very powerful effect too. So just before I kind of go on to say a few words about how you might do retrieval practice in practice, I just wanted to to kind of clear up a couple of kind of barriers that, that I come across when I'm talking to students about how to start using retrieval practice. One common barrier is, well, this feels like harder work. So imagine you're one of the students in that experiment from just now. If you were one of the students that was faced with a blank sheet of paper, trying to search your memory and remember all you could about this passage you just of information you just read, that's going to be harder work than just sitting there reading through an article. It is harder work. Of course it is. But I use the analogy of going to the gym. If you're hitting the gym, uh, any of you that, that do that, or if you work out at home, 
you'll know that if it feels very easy, if it all feels completely effortless, if you're not breaking a sweat, you're not really doing yourself much good in the gym or in your workout. You're not really building much muscle, say, for example, if you're doing if you're doing kind of weights exercises. But if you start to sweat and strain and work your muscles hard and they feel a little bit sore afterwards, then that's when you know you've really started to really build strong muscle. And it's the same with memory. The way to build strong memory is to sweat and strain and work hard a little bit when it feels effortful, when it feels like harder work to kind of pull things out of your memory. That is when you know you're building up the best possible memory in the shortest possible time for whatever it is you're trying to learn. I use a bit of an analogy to illustrate this. I I call it the Goldilocks effect. For those of you that are familiar with the Goldilocks fairy tale, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, one porridge was too cold, one porridge was too hot, and one porridge was just right. Well, it's a bit like that with retrieval practice in the sense that it shouldn't be too easy, it shouldn't be too difficult, but it should be somewhere in the middle. It should be just right. Effortful, but not impossible. To kind of get a feel for this for yourself, uh, there's an exercise I use uh, a lot, which is thinking about meals you've had recently. So ask yourself the question, what did you have for breakfast today? That's probably quite an easy question to answer. If I asked you, what did you have for dinner five weeks ago today? That's a very difficult question to answer. For me, that's basically impossible. But if I ask you, what did you have for lunch two days ago? So not yesterday, but the day before. Now that's hard, and it may take you 10, 20, 30 seconds reaching around in memory, trying to figure out, well, what day was it when I had that lunch? Today's Monday, so yesterday was Sunday, day before Saturday. All right, Saturday, what was I doing? Uh, where was I? All right, can I think what I had for lunch? And you, But you probably will get that. Most students can get that um, after a little bit of thinking time. So that one in the middle, what did you have for lunch two days ago, is a nice demonstration of where it feels challenging, where it feels effortful, but it's still possible to get an answer. We're going to talk more about spacing next week, ultra, ultra important. And that's a great way to either by spacing less, make things a bit easier if they're too difficult slash impossible, um, or by spacing out more, so leaving more time between uh, study sessions on the same topic, make things a little bit harder. Uh, So spacing is a great way to kind of get to the right point on this kind of Goldilocks spectrum. So more on that next week. Just before I move on to the techniques, I I would suggest on retrieval practice, just one final thought on on kind of objections to, to getting started with retrieval practice. And the objection is, well, what happens if I get the answer wrong or I can't remember? Well, the good news is that even if that happens, you're still learning. You're still doing fantastic learning. Um, Retrieval practice works. It doesn't matter whether you remember it accurately. If you do, great. You've done a fantastic piece of retrieval practice and you will have solidified your uh, memory of that information. But if you remember it wrong or you just didn't know, then don't worry because you're still learning. Our brain is programmed, is hardwired to learn from mistakes or things that we find surprising. So if you get something wrong or you make a mistake, that counts as something that's a bit surprising. And so you learn more from it. It helps you learn next time. It sort of increases your attention and it highlights those topics where you need to do more work in future, spend more of your time. So even if you remember inaccurately or you don't know, you're still doing yourself a powerful benefit when, you, when you're trying to learn things. So 
I hope by now I've started to convince you of some of the benefits of retrieval practice if you needed any convincing. If you didn't need any convincing, then uh, I hope the techniques that I'm about to share will be perhaps of use to you as you try and work towards spending as much of your study time as possible on retrieval practice techniques rather than uh, making notes, highlighting, underlining. I should say though, I'm, I'm not. It's not a black and white thing. It's not that I want you to completely eliminate all making notes or all rereading from your repertoire, from your overall study strategy. It's okay to use those techniques a little bit. Just try and keep it to the minimum possible, and encourage yourself, challenge yourself to move on as quickly as possible to the retrieval practice techniques. So what kind of techniques involve retrieval practice? Well, here's three techniques to get you started. Uh, There are a few others which can be really useful and that I talk to my coaching students about, but here's three which are a great place to start. So the first is Q&A notes. So particularly if you like to make notes, I would suggest switching to Q&A notes as as a little upgrade for your notes that will get you far, far better grades in the same study time. So Q&A notes are very straightforward. Basically, you put a line down the centre of the page, maybe split it into a third on the left-hand side and two-thirds of the space on the right-hand side. And then all you do is put questions down the left-hand side and corresponding answers down the right-hand side. So rather than just writing linear notes where you know, you're just writing the information uh, across the whole width of the page. You think about for every bit of information you think is important for you to know, you split it up into a question and answer pair, put the question on the left, answer on the right. Even while you're making the notes, it's forcing you to think more deeply about the topic. And so you're more likely to start to get the information sticking in memory because you're engaging with it at a more deep level. A little bit like that elaborative interrogation technique that Dr. Yana Weinstein-Jones was talking to us about in last week's episode. Um, So even while you're making the notes, you're having a bigger uh, benefit for learning. But the real benefit of Q&A notes is when it comes to having made the notes. And you can simply cover up the right-hand side, cover up all those answers, read the questions, and try and remember what the answer was. And then uncover the answer, each one in turn, to see whether you got it right or wrong. And again, make sure you pay attention to the ones you got wrong and spend a minute trying to kind of uh, learn learn those Uh, and perhaps come back and retest yourself on that question uh, in a few questions time uh, and keep retesting it until you start to get it to stick. It's a great way to upgrade your notes if you're someone who likes to make notes. The second one I've got for you is flashcards fantastic way to commit information to memory. I won't say too much about it today. And again, you can you know have a look at the video I'm kind of promising you for, for a little more detail here. The main thing I want you to remember about flashcards is not to spend all your time making them. I, I, I ran some research recently and 35% of students said they spent the majority of their time making the flashcard and I was just writing out the information in the first place rather than testing yourself with the flashcard. The whole point of a flashcard is it's a tool for testing yourself. So make them as quickly as possible, make them efficiently, get it all down on the flashcard in note form uh, and uh, and test yourself with them slowly. In other words, spend most of your time testing yourself. Make that the majority of your work uh, with flashcards. So flashcards, fantastic technique, really, really powerful. And then practice papers. Again, a very common way to, to to revise practice questions, old exam questions, practice questions from your textbooks. Uh, really great strategy. The main thing to remember here is not to use your notes uh, if you possibly can when you're 
practicing with practice questions. Step one is test yourself. Try and answer those questions without any notes at all. Optional second step is perhaps to go back to your notes, check any worked examples and see if there's a, see if there are any extra things you could fill in, any extra questions you might be able to to get right, perhaps that you couldn't really get right before. And then step three is go to the mark scheme if you've got one available. Uh, put your examiner's hat on uh, and mark what you got right and what you got wrong. And again, pay attention to those mistakes and learn from them. So three powerful techniques there for you. Q&A notes, flashcards and practice papers. And before I leave you, I want to say two things. The first is I would highly encourage you, if there's anything you've been listening to today and thinking, ah, yeah, I really should do that, whether it's simply I really want to do more retrieval practice or whether it's about the specific techniques I've mentioned and perhaps upgrading some aspect of your study technique, if there's something you want to change, then take a moment now, write it down on paper if you've got it, perhaps on your notes section of your phone if that's all you've got to hand, make a note of what it is you want to do differently. Because if you don't write it down, the chances are poor that you'll actually change something. And ultimately, I want you to change your habits. I want you to start doing things better. I want you to make life easy for you so you can get bigger grades in less study time and feel less stressed and overwhelmed along the way. The second thing I wanted to say is I've sort of been teasing this 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 kind of video content uh, through the podcast a little bit. So I just wanted to say a couple of words about how to get hold of that. It actually feeds into a slightly bigger update I've got for you. So I've, I've been thinking a lot recently about the future of Exams to the Expert. And I absolutely love what I'm able to offer you through the podcast. Don't worry, that's not going anywhere. Weekly episodes are here to stay on the podcast for the foreseeable future. But there are limitations to the fact that it's audio only. And so that sometimes makes it slightly harder than I'd like uh, to be able to kind of teach some of the things that I want to teach you. Sometimes it's really useful to be able to use visuals to really bring concepts to life and make them more easily understood. Now, I firmly believe that if you're able to, doing one-on-one coaching with me is the ultimate way to start studying smarter fast because I can concentrate on showing you the exact strategies and solutions that are going to be most helpful to you. That coaching is around $100 per session, kind of give or take, depending on which package you take, which for many people is really great value. But I do know that's kind of pricey if you're on a more restricted budget. So I've been putting quite a lot of thought into what else I might be able to do to support a larger number of people in studying smarter. I'm trialling something called the Study Smarter Club, which is basically a monthly membership for kind of Netflix type prices that gets you access to two live Q&A calls with me every single month. Uh, So you can show up and I'll be able to do anything for you from auditing your study strategy, telling you where you're going right or wrong, uh, through to kind of answering any questions you've got about what you should and shouldn't be doing. Uh, Anything you want help with, I'll be on that call. You can turn up uh, and I'll I'll be happy to help. The club will also get you bonus content from today's podcast as a full 30 minute deep dive video tutorial. So that's really helpful. You know, I'm able to get into a little bit more colour on some of these areas that I've been talking about today, show you some visuals to demonstrate uh, some of the techniques. You know, I think you'll be able to get a lot more out of the video, hopefully, uh, than, than just the audio. 
However, I'm not kind of leaving it at just one video, I hope. Uh, I've got a target of getting to 10 members in the Study Smarter Club within the next few weeks. And if I hit that, then my plan is to create a whole series of these training videos on all the topics I most commonly get asked about. Not just learning and memory, but also time management, productivity and procrastination, staying motivated uh, and exam technique secrets for maximum marks when it matters most. So if I get to 10 members, I'll create that full video course uh, for you uh, so you can access that. If you're also one of those first 10 members, then you can enjoy ultra early bird pricing of 50% off price of the membership for life. Uh, Good for as long as you want to be a member of the club. So if you want to drop in for a month or two, you can do that. If you want to stay for a longer time uh, and enjoy those bi-weekly calls with me, you can do that as well. It's entirely flexible. It's entirely up to you. And I did just want to say that one of my main motivations for the club was finding a bit more funding for helping to plough back into making great content for you. So every penny I get out of uh, the Study Smarter Club, and again, you know, prices aren't large, it's it's not a huge amount of money, um, but any any funds that does generate for Exam Study Expert is just going to be ploughed right back into making great, great content for you, um, whether that's on the podcast, on the blog, uh, and helping me kind of keep on top of what is becoming an ever-increasing cost base, which includes hosting for the website uh, and the podcast and running the mailing list if you're on that, uh, as well as professional services such as podcast editing. I just engaged a professional podcast editor so I can keep the quality high uh, and also keep producing content for you every single week, uh, help to make sure I, I can continue to produce for you. Uh, so if you're supporting me via the, the Study Smarter Club, uh, it's a two-way street. I'll be producing some great stuff, turning up on some great Q&A calls to help you, but the money you invest will be ploughed right back into Exam Study Expert to help yet more people uh, study smarter and ace their exams. So if you want to find out more about that, head right over to examstudyexpert.com forward slash yes. And as I mentioned, those ultra early bird places aren't going to stick around for long, I wouldn't have thought. There's only 10 of them. So don't hang about if you're interested. Again, you can learn more at examstudyexpert.com forward slash yes. So Thanks again for listening today. Next time, Carolina Kupertetzel is here to talk to us about spaced learning. Uh, if retrieval practice is a really, really important thing to know, then it goes hand in hand with spaced learning and you really shouldn't be doing one without the other. So please show up again next week uh, when we've got a great episode for you digging into spaced learning, getting under the skin of how that works and how you can apply it in your own studies. Really, thanks ever so much for listening today. It's always such a pleasure to have your company and I will look forward to seeing you again next time. And remember, for the Study Smarter Club, to find out more, head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash yes. See you again soon.